0: Hey, everybody. It's your host, Jason Klom. Thank you very much for your patience. Uh, As you may have seen uh, on uh, Twitter and stuff, there's been some stuff going on, which you know what? I'm going to talk about at the end of the episode. I don't normally do that, but just to let you know what's been going on and why there's no podcast. But also, I sort of realized that this happened, this, this one thing did pass by and went unaddressed. The podcast is seven years old now, as of February something or other. And, uh, I just wanted to thank everybody for listening to the show. And I want to thank my guests for coming on because, you know, they're obviously a huge part of this show's success. And, um, thank you guys very much for listening. I, I, I appreciate the fact that I've, I've got an audience to listen to what is sometimes rambling. And, uh, for the most part, I think, uh, relatively interesting interviews with, uh, people I'm fascinated with. And this episode is actually no exception. Um, seven years into it though uh, i i am going to start looking into the possibility we will never charge for the show but the possibility of doing uh, bonus content uh kind of thing i uh, may have to go on to patreon do something like that uh, so it'd be really cool to know if people were interested in that um so you know let me know on twitter or whatever you can email me jason at comedy because if you want to hear more that'd be great because you know i do three podcasts a week none of them pay me um that was fun i do three podcasts a week none of them pay me it's not why i do it but it would be super cool to be able to do more of them and if we got paid to do bonus content then i could do more of this dedicate more time to this um other fun projects like a comedy album that i'm working on this year like an actual comedy album like a full-fledged not just a weird christmas comedy album um so that's uh, a lot of stuff that might be happening in the seventh year of this insane podcast um so without further ado This is a wonderful episode with Michael Colton and uh, John Abood, who both wrote A Futile and Stupid Gesture, which I really liked, Um, and I would have asked them on the show uh, if they uh, hadn't asked me via their publicist. Well, their publicist asked me. I'm not going to say they've ever heard of the show, but they were great guests, super fun, um, and really knowledgeable of the National Lampoon
1: oeuvre.
0: Yeah, you heard me struggle with that. Um, It's not like it's written down. I just wanted to struggle saying it. So there we are. Um, and if you're at all interested, stay tuned toward the end of uh, at the end of the episode after all the music and uh, I'll just give you a little more breakdown about what's going on. Thank you guys so much for listening and enjoy this episode. I'm Jason Klom and this is the comedy on vinyl podcast.
2: For their uh, sales conferences or conventions, would commission original musicals mm-hmm.
3: like Broadway style. Often
2: musicals. with Broadway writers and actors, sort of just do. It's like the way people would do commercials today, sort of. But they, and they would actually press albums and do a performance, and it was sent out, it was given out to their employees, and never actually released. Right. So I found that fuck? Uh, Xerox. Uh, See, album from
0: a, I have an IBM
3: one that has sketches in it.
2: Oh really?
0: It's a two album set.
3: That's that's an industrial music. Yeah, yes. but there's no music. Oh, there's no there's music. music and oh, that's what comedy. blew my mind. Yeah, it's, ju- yeah.
0: it's bad, and I want to do an episode about that. But the musicals another level.
2: Yeah, yeah. That I didn't know existed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so the yeah. guy who put the the book it's, the them. book is called
3: Everything's Coming Up Profits,
2: which was the name of one of the musicals, and it's put together by a former Letterman writer. Who was obsessed with this that's and discovered crazy. it doing Dave's record collection or whatever? It was like a, Dave's record collection. Uh-huh. It's like Which a sketch a, where you would find weird albums. Anyway, we bits. thought there was a movie in this and tried to do it, but the rights were already sold. And and what? Mark Mark Platt, who does all these musicals, set it, it up, up with uh, Will Ferrell and Kristen Wiig. Although who knows if it's going to get made? But God damn it.
0: Anyway,
3: <laughs> if not, fucking, if not,
0: we've got to take yeah. good. Is it okay? Is that too much IP to drop at the beginning of a podcast? It's a lot of IP, (laughs) but I I think the listeners can handle it. Okay, good. The year is 1973. The album Lemmings, the artist National Lampoon, my guest, Michael Colton. And do you want Jonathan or John? Just
3: John. John Abood. Yes, thank you. Thank you
0: you so much for being here. So, uh,
2: A Futile and Stupid Gesture. Yes.
3: You wrote it. We did. We
2: wrote it. uh, An executive produced it. Uh, It's on Netflix now. Mm -hmm. Came Mm -hmm. out in uh, January. Mm -hmm.
3: Streaming now.
2: Premiered at Sundance Film Festival. It's delightful. Uh, thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you. Us, it was uh, this is, uh, movie we've been trying to get made for like 10 years. Really? I would, um, okay. I would
3: say labor of love, but more like labor of obsession. More like labor of laughs. Labor, well, oh, there's God. that. Yeah. We're off to a great start. <laughs> We're off to a great yeah, start.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, so we, the movie, we should say, it's about the origins of the National Lampoon and specifically tells the story of Doug Kenny, mm-hmm. who was one of the founders and then co-wrote Animal House and Caddyshack and then died mysteriously at age 33. Yeah. And it's a story we've sort of always been obsessed with. Um, and about twelve years ago, uh, John approximately twelve yeah, years ago. John texted me uh, and said, "What do you think because we were trying to figure out what to write next? And he was like, "What do you think of the Doug Kenny story stories a movie?" Mm-hmm. And me being naturally lazy, I was like, "I love that story, but I don't we'd have to do so much research. Yeah, I don't you know, there's just a couple magazine articles. This is the kind of thing you need a biography." Four to, oh, to option. Right. And so then I
3: went away for a few minutes and thought, is really no one written a book on Doug Kenny? So I did a little search and went back to Mike and said, there's a book on Doug Kenny coming out next week.
2: Oh my god. So it was very, it seemed very good like, timing. seemed like
3: fate. Oh my god. Yes.
2: Um, although, you know, so when we got the book, read it, um, devoured it and reached out to the author, but it still took us like two years to get the rights because he had promised it to someone else yeah, okay. who never yeah. ended up doing anything of with course, them? Of course, of course. So we re- this is about two- Lucky for us. 2008, 2009.
3: That we- person's laziness was greater than our own. Exactly. <laughs> he had the book. Uh, he had the book. So we then
2: uh, optioned the book, or, or we took it to this producer, Peter Principato, who optioned the book for us, um, and then began like a nine-year journey of trying to get it made independently mm-hmm. or try to get it at HBO. We attached uh, David Wayne to direct very early on, mm-hmm. um, but still it took forever and finally 2015 netflix uh we heard that ted sarandos and netflix liked the script a lot Mm -hmm. and we immediately are like you know let's do it there um and when we started writing this you know netflix hadn't even gotten into the original movie game wow! it It was dvds and envelopes yeah it took a long time uh Uh, but once netflix got involved then it moved very quickly and we got will forte to star and um we were shooting shortly thereafter yeah that's after after will was
3: attached
0: What's your interest in National Lampoon? Like, where does it begin, though? Are, and I, my apologies for not knowing if you guys are Harvard guys or not, because uh, yeah, I don't know.
3: We are, in fact. That was a mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a good assumption uh-huh. on your part. Um, I think that we were both interested in National Lampoon even before that. Okay. Uh, well, I think primarily because yeah. of the movies. I mean, sure, the sure. movies, Animal House and Caddyshack were, you know, a pretty big deal for me, and I assume for you. I've uh, never seen them. Caddyshack more than Animal House. For me actually mm-hmm. um and there was a book that came out in about 1991 or 1992 that was an anthology it was a compilation of the best writing okay. of the nash lampoon and that was huge for me that that introduced me to the writing the prose writing of michael o'donohue doug kenny henry beard all the greats and beats and you know we learned more about the specifics we learned more about doug kenny the person mm-hmm. um because of the harvard lampoon that's where I first learned about uh, his mysterious death, mm-hmm. which I knew nothing about before. And I always thought that it was a very dramatic story that the struggles he had, the you know internal you know crises and lack of confidence that he had mm-hmm. would make for a compelling biopic. Um, and we wanted to go about it in a very unusual way. We wanted to do a biopic that Doug Kenny himself would have approved of right. or that Doug Kenny himself would have conceived of mm-hmm. and not a very traditional biopic like we're used to.
2: I mean, even before that, I first discovered it. Um, I mean, I, like a lot of people in high school, I remember first seeing it on the newsstands at Walden Books, mm-hmm. and it had pictures of naked women in it, and I could buy it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. that's how, that was my end, like a mm-hmm. lot of people. Um, but then, same as John, um, it was the same book, and we didn't know each other until years later, but that same book from 92, mm-hmm. either I got or my parents got for me, It was, and it was no, it was just text. Of yeah, it. there's no, it no pictures. It was just a reprint oh. of all Doug Kenny and Henry Beard and O'Donnie and all these people, and that's that's where I because because when I was buying the magazine in the newsstand in the you know late '80s, it was not the golden era mm-hmm. of the National. Mm-hmm. Lampoon. Right. Um, so yeah, we both, uh, you know, and we long before we did this movie, we sort of have been inspired um, by the Lampoon. After college, mm-hmm. um, we started a company. Uh, Around 2000 that was an online magazine called Modern Humorist, which Mm -hmm. was even the title sort of directly inspired by Uh National Lampoon Um, And that our goal was to do a National Lampoon for the internet so we did uh, pieces every day and we eventually spun off some books and uh radio pieces and it was similar stage show stage show trying to do a similar trajectory to today's discussion we went out of business after three years so we were Uh somewhat (laughs) less successful not as successful Um, but are we we've had this history we actually so this must have been about 2002 the current the owner of the national lampoon back then reached out to us and wanted to buy the website wow um and we met with him and we did not like him uh Mm -hmm. and the deal was not a good deal and Uh we said no And then like Well,
3: uh, the the deal was going to be for stock. He said, We can get you stock and believe me, I think there's a lot of upside there. I think there's a lot of upside in our stock. Okay. he's a very confident guy. Mm -hmm. That's that's good. Later it was revealed he had been manipulating the stock a classic pump and dump scheme mm-hmm. which he went to federal prison for. oh well, he was the God. first
2: he was the first of two consecutive National Lampoon CEOs to go to prison. Holy the, the 90s they had quite and a run. 2000s were pretty God. Yeah. So, um yeah, I mean we've long been kind of obsessed with the golden era of the Lampoon, but uh-huh. you know, we also have seen the depths to which it has descended <laughs> yeah and, um you know, look, there's a new owner now and he's trying to get It started again and mm-hmm. we wish them all the luck, but it's tough. I mean, it's for literally 30 you know, 25 years, it's just been a, a dead brand.
0: That's one of the things about the movie that it, where I wouldn't even necessarily say that Natural Lampoon is my humor. I, I love the movies, most of them. Uh, I love a lot of the albums, but it's not like where my core starts. But in watching the movie, I'm like. Why why is that magazine not come back? And like it is interesting that they do keep reviving it. But this is like the history. It's not often you can say, "Hey, this is the origin of a brand," and actually have it be good. You know right. what I mean? That, like that does
3: not seem. It like sounds a, horrible. A, a <laughs> but, good yeah, like a. Because the point. first
0: few years weren't just a brand. They like literally the brand came from an established set of of whatever the fuck this is. Like mm-hmm. this is an insane productive period from I mean I think you know at some point there are compilations like the white album but uh, right the first few years are ridiculous
2: 70 to 75 it was yeah. crazy and, and
3: on, on all fronts on you know the the print front on the uh, audio front which included both a radio show and albums yeah uh, books they were pumping out a lot of different books. I mean
2: this also in some ways is like uh, and David Wayne I remember said the same thing like um, it owed to, you know, a time when magazines were huge. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. we were both print guys. We were journalists before we were uh, screenwriters. Okay. And, um, you know, the idea that you had a magazine... That mattered. That mattered. That was, like, yeah. all people were talking about and that could be so revolutionary was shape sort of fascinating to us. Yeah. yeah,
0: and pissed so many people off, which, I mean, that's obviously part of the charm of it, is the idea that there's all that going on behind the scenes, is... Um, when did you first, b- both of you, hear this album? I'm curious. Well,
2: before we heard the album, I remember when we started our company, Modern mm-hmm. Humorist, um, that's when I started to do a deeper dive on the National Lampoon, because, you know, seeing how they started, and I re- read some of these books. I read mm-hmm. Tony Henders' book. Uh, that was the first time I saw the yearbook parody, which you had an original mm-hmm. copy or I reprint did. of. Yeah and that was the first time yep. I saw that and we looked online and I think at that time the the National Lampoon was selling Lemmings on VHS oh okay this yeah. is, this must have been early 2000s mm-hmm. so we bought it and that was the first I had heard about Lemmings I mean you know they brought together Belushi Chevy mm-hmm. Chase Chris Guest and all these great writers mm-hmm. so we saw the D, uh, Sorry, the VHS, VHS. Um, which had Watched it was it really it was really muddy <laughs> copy terrible quality Ugh. terrible quality um, and it, it had first, been
3: recorded for HBO I think but I don't think they never aired it They never aired it, but they had a deal with it, HBO very early on and so they had packaged it into something that could be aired theoretically they did do a subsequent special for HBO I don't know that that disco aired. beaver you, from outer space disco, from outer space? That aired. disco <laughs> beaver from outer space that did air okay That was disco in the late beaver. that
2: was like 79 or 80 It was not it was uh, yeah,
3: which was sort of late in the National Lampoon original contributor era but early in the HBO oh, era, yeah. you know, like so those, pre, not necessarily the news. Yeah. Era.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, the so the Lemmings. Um, I mean, I'll, I think we both agree it's not objectively like the funniest album sure. ever. It's not something I put on to you know laugh. We're for. not
3: recommending you run <laughs> out. <laughs> uh-huh. But and it's historically. Get it. Fascinating. As a document, as a historical document, it's pretty amazing. I
2: mean, first of all, the first half, um, and I actually can't even remember, right, I think the album, the vinyl album doesn't have the first half, it's just the songs from the second half. Okay. Because the show was divided into two parts. The first half were sketches. Very much, uh, you could see the beginnings of Saturday Night Night Live there. Yeah, yeah. They were very, a lot of drug references. I mean, just the idea of Chevy Chase and uh, Belushi on stage pretending to be... High. high on LSD, like that was half of the joke right yeah, there, yeah. you know?
3: And when you watch that VHS, or, or it's on YouTube now, you can you can see it on YouTube, the audience is laughing just at the notion of someone taking drugs. Right. Because right. that was such, the fact that someone could say that out loud, the mm-hmm. fact that you could talk about this thing that was in the culture, but was so forbidden, you know, from all of that audience's lives when growing up in the 50s and 60s, sure. and now they're, you know young people in their 20s and people are talking about this stuff openly. They're laughing just at the fact of that.
2: Yeah. And then the second half is the songs and the whole Woodstock parody. And, um, you know, some of it was, is evident what they're parodying. Some of it is way before our time, Mm -hmm. but what's fascinating in general is, so it's a parody of Woodstock Mm -hmm. called Lemmings. And the idea is instead of all these people getting together for three days of peace, love and music, it's (laughs) they're getting together to off themselves. Mm -hmm. It's a mass suicide. Um, which is a funny idea, but also what's sort of... And a satirical idea. Um, yeah, and and what's interesting from a... I derailed you. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> well, I certainly think yeah, Nothing. Um, <laughs> what's interesting that, it, that I didn't get on the first kind of listen is how revolutionary that must have been, that they are making fun of hippies. I mean, yeah. this is, you would That's think, right. I think there's a common conception that National Lampoon was the voice of the counterculture. Right, right. But it's not. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. the voice of fuck everybody. It was the yeah. voice of this side's wrong and this side's wrong and everybody's stupid. And mm-hmm. we're, g-, you know, that that I think was a relatively new idea. I think. Sure.
3: You would think that they had only made fun of Nixon, that they had only oh, made fun right. of the establishment. Right. That was not at all the case. Mm-hmm. They went after their own culture. They mm-hmm. went after their own... Youth movement.
2: Yeah, this is a satire of the hippies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's and and you have Chris Guest who is one of the greatest you know impressionists. He doesn't really do impressions much anymore, but mm-hmm. he does a great uh, James Taylor. Yes. And um, there's Bob a Dillon. there's a whole John. I don't know if it's on the album or just in the live show, but there's a whole John Lennon thing mm-hmm. that was based on a interview John yes. Lennon did for Rolling Stone uh-huh. that was like uh, incredibly. Controversial, yeah. and all they did. And Rolling
3: Stone actually published it separately as its own yeah. standalone little paper.
2: Yeah, so Tony quote, Hendra, yeah. I believe, mm-hmm. set it to music with actually John Lennon's own words. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, you listen to it now, and it's sort of you don't understand at all what that's about, right? And uh, but he's with, quoting directly yeah.
3: from Lennon's own quotes. Yeah.
2: So just to skip over to the movie for a minute. Mm-hmm. So we actually in the movie you see Lemmings very briefly. Yes. So you see it's in part the middle. The it's the part of a montage when Doug is breaking down. We also play around with the chronology lemmings actually happened before the radio hour uh uh-huh. but in the movie we wanted it to be part of his breakdown so okay. we took artistic license mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. um we so you see brief while he's in the office you're cutting back and forth um but we shot way more of lemmings and uh, i was going to ask that. oh, yeah. oh we, yeah we spent where oh, where, where yeah. was it downtown it was uh some theater downtown. I can't remember. And we
3: restaged the show. Holy we had I the also backdrop. Remember, uh, we had the same uh, light. If you look at the the video from mm-hmm. Lemmings, we have the same lighting
2: set Jesus that they had Christ. in the okay. background.
3: They rebuilt it. It, it was eerie. That's and insane. we should just say
2: um, for people who haven't seen the movie. So in Lemmings, we have John Gemberling of Broad City playing Sheet, mm-hmm. Joel McHale of Joel McHale uh-huh. uh, playing Chevy Chase, who yeah. was a drummer and uh-huh. played drums. Seth Green plays Chris Guest. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Gilda Radner was actually not in Lemmings. Uh-huh. She was in the National Lampoon Radio Hour and also a, another Torn sure. show, the National okay, Lampoon show. There. But because we had Jackie Tone playing Gilda Radner and she was so great, we actually and there were women in the show, we just sort of okay. squeezed her in. We conflated them. Yeah. I also remember, do you remember the day we shot was the day Prince died? Yep. Really? Yeah. Yep. Uh, I just remember reading that on my phone. So how much of this, that show got shot and therefore should be released? Um, thing. Well, I'll tell you what we shot. We shot the uh, Tony Hendr- uh Matt Lucas playing Tony Hendricks yep. doing the John Lennon thing. Uh-huh. And we had a little bit with Doug on the side that we cut to during that song. We didn't use any of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we shot...
3: Gimberling as doing the Joe Cocker
2: song. Yeah, you, well, you see glimpses of that, but yep. we, we did a whole song. So, well, first of all, uh, this is way inside baseball for <laughs> fans of the movie, but why not, right? <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, so we shot... The original- they knew what they were getting into yeah, of we turned this on. The original script... Uh, Had the breakdown pegged to John Belushi singing Joe as Joe Cocker singing with a little help from my friends, Uh which he performed on Saturday Night Live, not at Lemmings. Mm -hmm. But we thought that was a great with Mm -hmm. the lyrics, you know, uh, contrasting against Doug's breakdown. We were very quickly told by our producer John Stern uh, Mm -hmm. that is a song written by the Beatles. Beatles, That is that one billion. yeah, (laughs) Yeah, we were not paying for that. Yeah, yeah. So what we. Changed to was it something that he actually did an original song that's on the Lemmings album mm-hmm. that he sang as Joe Cocker I believe yes or or with other Crosby I don't remember anyway it's called Lemmings Lament I okay, think it's yeah. like a Crosby Stills and Nash mm-hmm. riff uh... isn't it anyway so we shot him singing that uh-huh yeah uh and doing all the Joe Cockerisms where he spits out the beer and passes uh-huh. out and, all that. and you see that in the in the movie we just ended up not using that audio it didn't quite work Mm -hmm. now the
3: uh we shot seth green doing wait did you say lemming's lament it's lonely at the bottom
2: oh i'm lonely at the bottom i'm sorry i'm confusing two songs yes this is why it's gonna be wikipedia that's why i got we got wiki Um, i conflated two songs that lemming's lament was a a song that we did record yes it was a group song and i think it's like a crosby stills and nash yes okay that is correct there's a separate song called lonely at the bottom which was the joe cocker parody yes okay okay yes okay
3: yeah lonely at the bottom of the barrel
2: that's right. Which which is like, a good song. It's a, yeah. it's a
3: actually a good song. And mm-hmm. thematically relevant. Yeah, but it
2: just uh, it didn't quite work in the edit. Okay. We had Seth Green doing James Taylor's uh, parody called Highway Toes, I think. Highway Toes. Which <laughs> is about him as a junkie.
3: And it's a that is a good song because the impression is so funny. Yeah. It set, um Christopher Guest as. Uh, James Taylor it's too good. it's great
2: it's just it's great well it's but really we funny. had Seth Green as Chris guest just, yeah I mean, just Which levels was upon levels. levels upon levels um so then the other one we shot is interesting and it's interesting why we didn't use it so there's a song here we go <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a yeah. song yeah. it's not on the album I don't think but it was, it was in the show it was a Joni Mitchell parody yes no no joan right By- is it what I think it yes. is. Yeah, you so know where we Yes, I this. do. Okay, yeah. there's a song that was in Lemmings called Pull the Triggers and Words, mm-hmm. is how mm-hmm. I will say it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's by, I think it was. I don't a, know how you guys were raised, but I don't say that word. Triggers? Uh, <laughs> it's a Joan Baez parody, and it's actually super smart and satirical. Yes, yes, yeah. And I will smart. try to explain. It, it, it's basically making fun of liberals in san francisco in san francisco i mean it's all history related to uh i think one of the i forget the guy's name but someone who was in jail yeah her husband yes mm. it's making fun of liberals saying we stand beside you and we fight for your right but we're actually not gonna stand we're not gonna, beside, help. We're not uh-huh. gonna actually uh-huh. help. we're not gonna, uh-huh. we're not gonna do, do anything so yeah. the lyrics are something like um pull the triggers and words were with you all the way just across the just bay, across the bay. Yeah. i mean it's actually incredibly yeah. smart funny Always, it's and experience. smart beautifully smart. sung at all, too i the mean even the fact that she's using yep. the word n-words is like you know uh-huh. offensive but like we're saying we're on your side mm-hmm. yeah so we we thought that'd be interesting. I think me me and John specifically were pushing to have that in the movie as an example of like of they, the shock value, shock course. value. Yeah, yeah. And David Wayne was was very concerned, and rightly so. Uh-huh. So we actually recorded it in front of an audience. Oh my! With he warned them with uh, Gilda Radner, he Jackie them, Tone played Gilda Radner. He yeah. gave them a trigger warning. He did pull the triggers. He <laughs> said, "We're gonna try a song here." It has some shocking language, but it's an example of, of what they would do. What they would do.
3: So just prepare yourself. And
2: and Jackie did a great job as Gilda, but it just in 2018. Uh huh. I don't think there's any way that could have been perceived in the way we wanted it to be yeah. perceived. Because sure. it it's not like we had the space to play the whole song right. or to tell the history um, of it's, yeah, this, yeah, yeah. this event. It's only... Well, I mean,
0: when we did cool. it on the podcast, it took us 15 minutes to get through it. Oh, you've covered that we song. We have that song because it was on another album also. We, we oh. had, we had oh. Which album it? is it on? Five. One, of the, like, the, One of these other compilations? Yeah, I mean, that's... The, uh, where is it? Because it's... The title in print is Pull the Tree Grows. And I, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Yeah, and, uh, But I know we have discussed oh, it before. Oh, it's here. Before. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's on the oh, um, radio, it, yeah, radio yeah, there dinner. There we go. Okay. But the thing that's, that's the interesting thing is, like, we've never had anybody who's had the uh, impetus to play it on a thing, but then couldn't find a, an artistic justification for it. Because, okay. again, yeah, it's not, you can't. it's not of the time anymore. It, it makes,
2: it's so it. not of the so time. So it was Joan Baez here, played by Diana Reed, composed by there Tony Andrew, arranged by Christopher Guest. Mm-hmm.
3: Um, it's only, I mean,. On an intellectual level Mm -hmm. you can get it on an emotional level you you hate it well yeah because you just
2: see you hear the word and
3: Um, we're we're i think finally you know at a point where we're just like yeah we just don't need to go there well uh, another reason
2: is as we were editing the movie we realized any uh, we we also shot a lot more of the radio hour because we had all these great actors yeah all these other great performers yeah um and we just realized that anytime we weren't staying close to Doug's story and to specifically to Doug and Henry's relationship, sure, 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 it just didn't work as a movie. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. if I wish we were in Netflix, but out DVDs, so we could include all the These extras, bonus footage. But um, it just all the actors are great, and unfortunately, there's not much of like Seth Green or Jackie Tone yeah. in the final movie. But um, it just didn't work when we moved away from doug it was
3: it was heartbreaking because that stuff is so great Mm -hmm. those performers are so great we did a lot
2: of sketches from from radio hour too but when you're
3: when you're pivoting and when you're not focusing on that core central relationship doug and henry it's it just became meandering
0: how is it written if that's the case are you just like we'd like a clip from this here so then like production works into it and they're like let's shoot the whole thing and then pick a clip
2: or how did that go we spent uh because we were the you know we wrote it, but we were like the keepers of the historical flame. Like, mm-hmm. You know, David knows this world a little bit, but he would always turn to us, like, say, "Is this how it happened?" Okay. Or... So is this for the radio hour, we dug deep, and we have the box set uh, of CDs. Yes. But also, this doesn't have everything, so we also listened to all the albums and mm-hmm. other stuff we found online. <laughs> there's a lot. There's not that much that translates to 2018 for sure, the radio hour. Sure. There are. Yeah. First of all, a lot of stuff that's racist and sexist, mm-hmm. not even in, in a satirical way. Just right. Don't work. It was uh-huh.
3: just they thought that was funny, and mm-hmm. now we know that it's not.
2: Uh huh. <laughs> there was a lot of stuff that's dated, mm-hmm. and then there's a lot of stuff that, in a movie where we're just doing quick cuts, mm-hmm. it's just, not quotable. It's not quotable. I, so I see. we put together, uh, with the help of David's assistant, like audio files of like you know twenty things that we thought could use in the movie. Okay. And we shared that with David and the producers, and then. With the actors and we identified certain things but it's tough like you know there wasn't anything super quotable from harold Ramis or even belushi mm-hmm. like there's some great belushi sketches but you have to they're sort of listen long. they're long okay and okay. <laughs> half of them are him doing marlon brando and the godfather <laughs> yeah. which yeah, is of kind of dated a lot of that um uh-huh. there was a, a another sketch again i could see why it would have been hilarious in 1970 whatever mm-hmm. uh where it's uh charles bronson Uh clint eastwood and lee marvin i believe yes Uh played by chevy and chris guest and stephen collins from seventh heaven yeah uh uh, i think but they're all playing them as lispy effeminate gay men and meeting the hollywood gay lions Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. know and it's just stereotypical i could see how that'd be funny just portraying them in that way sure sure um but
3: you wouldn't think to do that today because that's not funny today (laughs) it's like it's it just—that's horrible. Why would you do that?
2: <laughs> so we ended up with just uh, bits of sketches here and there that we did, um, and you can hear—you know—we had Seth Green as Chris Guest doing Flash Basbo, which is a mm-hmm. classic. And again, it's Fles- a classic Dada, Dadaist nonsense.
3: Ut- utterly surreal yeah. and hilarious and awesome, but when you're trying to just do a few seconds of it, of course. just like, what is this? Yeah, what's happening right now? Right. Well,
2: you notice the only thing we really keep in its entirety. Is because it's short, is uh Michael O'Donohue's classic yeah. Ed Sullivan. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. contained. It's 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 a minute long and it works and you get the joke. Yeah. Um there was a great thing we put in a little bit in the movie that's not from the radio hours on an album, which is Gilda Radner doing a song called I'm a Woman. Mm-hmm. And that actually
3: That holds up that's that more holds relevant up, than that's ever. That's more
2: relevant than ever. I don't know if yeah. you've heard this one, but it's um so she's like a it's like a Helen Reddy I Am Woman style anthem. Mm-hmm. You know about feminism. I'm a woman. I am human. I am. I am I'm, me. I'm a sister. I'm a sister. Lover. I'm and a she does it for like a minute, and then she's immediately cut off by a group of men who are criticizing how she's singing the song. <laughs> it is. It is a it's, sketch about mansplaining. Like it. It, it's
3: completely pointed. It's and so. It so awesome. works today. The Performances are hilarious. Well, you
2: find out it's for like a tomato commercial. Yeah, the, the other stuff. thing.
3: The other aspect is that it's for an ad.
2: <laughs> you have like Bill Murray coming in and like, look, the, look, clients, the clients are going to like
3: this. <laughs> um That's amazing.
2: and then every time she starts it again they cut her off sooner so mm-hmm. you, you hear a little bit in the movie um but that song i wish we could have shown the whole thing because it actually yeah. that is yeah. that joke still that works holds up it. That yeah, one holds up.
0: there's there's a lot of things that are in the movie that like I, I i mean i wasn't going out of my way to pick it apart for the writing but i'm like if i had written this you know as a writer i'm like what the fuck would i have done with this, this and this? like there's some moments writers rooms and movies or shows i usually hate oh sure um for the worst. i don't care and i've never been in a writer's room i don't care to be in one however if i <laughs> if i when i see you're this, healthier it's, for that it's 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 so hard to write that well and then in this you have to you have to write people pitching shit jokes and i want to know
2: is that easy to just come up with a shit joke for a character to do or huh. do, i'm just curious because um, so i will hard. say two things so um that and the sequence you're talking about where there's the first editorial meeting mm-hmm. we have a couple actually but the first one mm-hmm. with the, the gangs together it's before the first issue comes out mm-hmm. was one of the hardest scenes to edit because yeah. for exactly the reason you're pointing out mm-hmm. so much of what they said mm-hmm. was stuff that was funny in the magazine and just it dies and we yeah. we tried many different ways to cut that um and ultimately, I think what we ended up with something that worked, where we kept it relatively short and, and jumped around yes. and didn't dwell on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and some stuff doesn't actually play. Like Michael O'Donoghue pitches the Vietnamese baby book and people uh-huh. are confused. And it dies in the room. <laughs> yeah. But yeah.
3: that's one of the iconic pieces of the magazine. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. Well,
2: I was going to say, the other thing was there's a, there, that scene ends with Tony Hendra pitching a <laughs> bad uh, Nixon Pinocchio cover mm-hmm. and everybody turns on him. And a lot of people, I think, saw the movie. like, wow, you really went hard on Tony Hendra, I think, partly for that scene. That is actually directly out of a piece Tony Hendra wrote for Harper's. Um, <laughs> and his book. And oh, my God. His and his, you yeah. know, that is, uh, he, he talked about how cutthroat the editorial meetings were mm-hmm. and how they would rip him to shreds. And we, we love that bit. So we, we kept... Uh, you want to capture
3: that culture. I mean, that's a yeah. big part of this movie is sort of what was it like to be in this environment. Mm-hmm. And, yeah,
2: it was brutal. And yeah. ironically, brutal. Uh, they actually did that cover Uh, years later they did a double Nixon fold out Mm -hmm. with Nixon's nose nose. and the guy who did that just died last week the artist oh really yeah
0: you know the 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 hard part of that is also if you're writing something depending on your audience which I actually would imagine might skew young-ish based on the cast I don't know if that's gonna happen or not like I don't know who is watching it but I feel like there's there's this feeling where if you're watching it and something doesn't land, you're like, "Am I not getting this, or is this old timey?" Like, I think if you're just yeah. a little too young, you're like, "Maybe that was funny in the '70s, or maybe no, that maybe they just just pitched a shit joke, or yeah. you know, like it's, yeah, it's yeah. that's that's hard to play, but it all seems it all plays to me, but like there there I also had a couple of moments where I'm like, "Am I gonna have to concentrate really hard <laughs> here and like." Like try and put myself in a '70s mindset.
3: Well, we wanted this to be accessible to people who knew absolutely nothing about National Lampoon. Yeah, had maybe some awareness that there was a Christmas movie with Chevy Chase, and that was it. And so a lot of a lot of discussions uh, were had around how to handle exactly what you're talking about, Mm -hmm. because we wanted to make sure that people who had absolutely no basis would understand what was going on. Like, was that supposed to be funny? Right. No, they're making fun of him. Mm -hmm. Like, you know. Are, are, what's important here is the energy that they're having so the specific jokes in that kind of a format where we're just sort of cutting around the horn became much less important mm-hmm. than just the feeling of the environment, okay. the feeling of the meeting.
2: Well yeah I mean and also a lot of the stuff that even Doug wrote just does not hold up or translate like some of the pieces he was most famous for we tried to find ways to quote him or use him and just always died like mm-hmm. he uh, che Guevara's Bolivian diaries like you need to be pretty well versed in the Che Guevara history and what was going on at that time for those to be funny right um Mrs. Agnew's diary was a regular feature it was <sighs> mm-hmm. like a oh, diary written by Spiro Agnew's wife uh-huh. Spiro Agnew was the vice Nixon's vice president yeah you know and that stuff just did not hold up we we do briefly mention Nancy Reagan's do's and don'ts just because that's a funny title sure but at the time she wasn't First Lady, I mean, this is She's first lady, I am first lady in California. California. I'm yeah. the
0: guy for whom the Agnew thing would have landed, and okay. that's it. That's it. I guarantee you that that's it's, so it funny. was such
3: a challenge to find pieces that held up and pieces that then were quotable. Where yes, you could lift something and you could put it in the movie. You could mm-hmm. put it in a character's mouth, and you would understand. Okay, that was a funny gag. That was they're, they're these guys are talented. Yeah, that's hard. That's hard I to do well, because the pieces yeah. that work, you know, really well, they work. Because they're pros. And, yeah. the and rule, with the art. And with the art direction, which was amazing. So many ideas were brought to life by Michael Gross. Mm-hmm. Not Robert Gross. By Michael Gross, Michael the art gross director. Man, yeah. Or a gross man. He's not a gross man. <laughs> we're, we're firing on all cylinders <laughs> um, you know, They don't translate to a movie. Yeah. So Henry Beard had a great piece called My Gun is Cute. Uh-huh. It was a sort of noir detective parody. Mm-hmm. But trying to find lines that make you laugh because you We wanted read. to use
2: some of it as a VO, and mm-hmm. it just didn't work. It just doesn't work. Um, yeah, but doesn't you know it's what I was glad worked? There were, a lot of times, we tried to use characters, stuff they'd written, mm-hmm. and put into their mouths as dialogue, okay. which mm-hmm. doesn't always work. But yeah. um, one of the biggest laughs in the movie is the during the Tom Snyder scene, the mm-hmm. interview, uh, where, where Doug goes on TV. And the Tomorrow Show. The Tomorrow Show with Tom Snyder. And there's a whole riff he does about... Um, if I could speak in defense of National Impoon there was once another guy who was persecuted and you think he's talking about Jesus and it's this long riff and then he says of course I'm talking about Dracula um, was actually something he wrote in the magazine I believe in an editorial an editorial and Brilliant. we just lifted that Brilliant. and uh, we'll take credit for it yeah but, uh, people think we wrote it yeah. great uh-huh, uh-huh. but, but no, we, we tried to, to do that me. a lot to just give you know people their actual line i mean a lot of half of what michael donahue says mm-hmm. was actual stuff he said you know very quotable all, he's so quotable yeah you know all the stuff he says about snl uh-huh. um, tv it's the napalm of culture burns you down to nothing but the glow's awful pretty mm-hmm. uh i don't want to write for you know he won't write for muppets i don't write for felt like he was there's, there was yeah. i have a list on my phone probably of all the stuff we tried to put in that just there wasn't the a quote yeah. yeah that's amazing yeah.
0: There, there's this I don't know what my perspective on it is, but, like, I feel like if I had done the research, I would be like, God damn it, I now have to write a movie about a bunch of assholes. Like, I think they're oh, real, yeah. they're brilliant, <laughs> oh, yeah. but they're a bunch of assholes. Oh. Okay. By their own admission. Yeah. Tom own Lennon own on the yeah.
2: set, because mm-hmm. he uh, got really into <laughs> O'Donoghue, and he uh, like he it. read the biography. There's another biography of Michael O'Donoghue okay. called Mr. Mike. Mm-hmm. And so, like, there'd be days in the set where he'd, you know, shooting something, and he'd look around and point to the characters, people playing Chevy Chase and Gildo, or whatever Okay, at, at this point, it's 1973, my character hated you, he hated you. Oh my, he fucking hated you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were vicious. I mean, They were,
3: they were a rough a rough crew. Mm-hmm.
2: Although Doug was the one everybody like said was the sweetest, and, mm-hmm. and yeah, I everybody think seemed to love Doug.
3: Had there not been someone like Doug at the center, yeah. I don't know that this would have worked.
2: Well, which is why it was so rough when he would disappear, yeah. and he would right. have his breakdowns. Henry
3: sense. was the adult in the room. Mm-hmm. He got... The magazine put out on time mm-hmm. but I don't know that other than a few people like Christopher Cerf uh, early contributors Michael Frith that sort of had a personal connection to him from college or whatnot you know he wasn't the sort of uh, warm uh, welcoming ringleader that they were all going to sort of uh, rally around yeah that was that was Doug I mean he provided that he provided a sense of camaraderie and shared purpose and somehow managed to stay friends I, I think Anne beats didn't like him that much at the end um, but everyone else sort of thought of him as their friend, mm-hmm. and he became the the hub around which all the spokes revolved.
0: How did the framing of the movie come about with the uh, the VO from oh, having old
2: Ma- Doug Martin Mull? Uh huh. Well,
3: um, that I was very early. From a, for a lot of the reasons that you're talking about of mm-hmm. whether or not things are supposed to be funny, whether or not mm-hmm. they hold up, we were very conscious that this is going to be viewed in 2018. We want a 2018 audience to have some context for this stuff. So how do we comment on what's happening with the voice of today? Mm-hmm. So the idea for modern Doug was to be able to have someone who would point out, you know what? We were even more sexist and racist than this seems like. Uh-huh. Or, uh-huh. you know, oh, this may not sort of, you know, strike. But trust me when I say, like, this, this was great at the time. Uh-huh. So he was simultaneously able to bring today's perspective to it, but also tied in thematically to what Doug was known for. Um, he became one of his nicknames was the man who invented nostalgia. Uh-huh. But he died before he could ever be nostalgic about 1970. <laughs> so this was kind of a wish fulfillment like how would Doug look back on yeah this period the same way he looked back on high school, the same way he looked back on college and animal house given give him that opportunity.
2: Yeah. Plus um you know early on before we had even written the script we were talking with David Wayne about what kind of movie this is and we talked about stuff like uh, American Splendor, 24 mm-hmm. um, Hour Party People, these biopics that sort of play with the form, mm-hmm. and we all, you know, talked about a moment in 24 Hour Party People where Steve Coogan turns to the camera and you know says, uh, "That's Martin. He will later try to kill me." Just breaking mm-hmm. that fourth wall yeah. and talking about characters within the scene, and so that was a big inspiration for having modern Doug. And um, yep, I think initial versions of the script, I think he was even more present. We ended up pulling it back a little bit. I kind of wish I'd
0: seen your movie first. Only because I feel like that as a reveal is probably, I think it's probably pretty emotional. And that's why I haven't brought it up to anybody. Have you seen, which one have oh, you I seen bet. first? And I'm you like, mean the documentary? Yeah, yeah, I wish I'd seen your, your film before the documentary because, yeah, I, I, I feel like... That's an emotional hit. That while it comes in the documentary, is very sad, and actually is the only thing that's ever humanized Chevy Chase for me <laughs> in that documentary. It's heartbreaking. Isn't isn't it's Chevy isn't Chevy sympathetic in that Jesus moment? Jesus Christ! And I'm like, that's, oh fuck, I don't hate you anymore. I never that, hated the man, but you know that def-
3: comes as a real blow. <sighs> it does because he, well, he, yeah. he gets choked up. Mm-hmm. He, it's the most genuine you've seen him mm-hmm. ever. Yeah, you know it's it's powerful.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think. I personally was surprised by how many people watched it and didn't know anything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, casting Martin Mull, there was a period where we were talking, do we cast a complete unknown, Mm -hmm. like a Broadway actor, and have people really believe this was uh, the real Doug? And we we, we got Martin Mull, who was great. But, you know, Martin Mull is not super famous. Sure. He's recognizable. But so I was surprised that there were a lot of people who... Either just, you know, from reading people on Twitter, or whatever, and mm-hmm. reacting, who believed that was the actual Doug Kenny, okay. or did recognize Martin Mole mm-hmm. and said, Oh, I've seen that guy before. I didn't realize he was the guy who created National Lampoon. So it's like they didn't mm-hmm. know his Interesting. name, Interesting. but they knew he was in Clue or whatever, and yeah, they yeah. just said What's he was the guy. the principal
3: from Sabrina. I yeah. mean,
2: people, we, uh, we, we, uh, <laughs> We um, wrote this animated movie, Penguins of Madagascar, mm-hmm. and uh, our director on that is a British guy who didn't know anything about the story. Loved Animal House, yeah, but uh-huh. he was Loved he was like Animal live House. tweeting, live texting us when he yeah. was watching the movie. <laughs> and and when it got to the end, he it's was like, like, "Wait, what? What? what the f- 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 How's that? Wait, uh-huh. how is that possible? No, he can't be dead. What? <laughs> yeah,
3: <laughs> that's
2: amazing. So yeah. I, I mean, I honestly gotcha, gotcha. I we didn't. I think people assumed that was the intention, but we mm-hmm. were not really trying to like get people we yeah. didn't think everybody was comedy nerds and knew exactly sure. yeah. exactly story but sure. but we, we wanted
3: it to work either way if you know going in mm-hmm. that he's dead then you're on board from the beginning if you don't know then that emotional punch comes at yeah. the end and, and hopefully is very impactful
0: that's what i want to know i'm, I'm gonna to have to ask my friends who haven't seen it because i'm not telling anybody but i'm like which one have you seen first and yeah. I'm, you know I'm, I'm
2: curious which way they go about right. it we should have said spoiler at the top of this. Uh, sorry guys. Yeah, <laughs> sorry guys.
0: Doug Kenny's dead for four years. Yeah. Well, I guess
2: that actually the reason I was surprised people, I, I guess, <laughs> with me, mm-hmm. I start watching movies based on true life. I'm already on the Wikipedia page before it's over. Yeah. You know, You're double I guess screening. I guess most people You're are second not screening it. Uh, oh, you guys watch TV without a, a phone in your hand? <laughs> what I, are you I, monsters? I, um, I, I do. So I guess <laughs> I w- I assume people like me knew would know more about stuff, mm-hmm. but. Most people watch it as they should watch it. Yeah, cold, cold, cold. Read. Yeah. Well, it's interesting
0: too. Is uh, I've, I've had English people, comedians, but like people in entertainment on the podcast too, or people just from other countries in general. And you can bring up a name and just complete, and you forget. Okay, oh, this is not universal. Well, naturally, we think to um, us it is. This is culture. Well, Donald Gleeson, you know, who's Irish. Who plays yes. Henry? Beard. Who plays Henry Beard yes. in
3: the film, and you know, doing the press tour and whatnot, and mm-hmm. at, at Sundance, he was saying, like, oh, yeah, no, knew nothing. Knew nothing. Yeah, of course. I mean, no, he, had heard of it. He had, had, yeah. he had seen it, Animal but House, but he didn't know didn't anything. Didn't have an impact in I'm, Ireland, yeah.
2: I'm, like, He, like I think most people today, don't even know National Impoon was a magazine. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I think that's the big surprise. Yeah. Um, and Donald's somebody
3: who loves comedy. Mm-hmm. You know, knows it quite just, a bit But that like was never... Did not have the same I mean, they have a rich history of, of They Prince. have all their own.
2: Of course. Private Eye and Punch and all that. Viz. Now you're going deep. Sorry. Um, but yeah, it's sort of this untold chapter of comedy history. That I mean, our producers, you know, David Wayne and Peter Principato, all these people who are self-professed comedy nerds, they said, Doug oh, Kenny Doug Kenny, I recognize his name from the credits, but yeah. no yeah. one knew this story. The yeah. story was
3: largely untold. Um, Josh's book really kind of was the first to in an, in a major way... Right, but even that, I, was, I,
2: I don't think it really got past an audience of comedy nerds. Correct. You know?
3: No, correct, no. I, I mean, I'm, it took I'm, a while to get correct. to me, and I think right. I know shit. Right. right. You know?
2: And you don't know shit. I don't know what goddamn thing.
0: <laughs> I mean, seven years of a lie is all this has always been. <laughs> of a lie? Yeah. Uh, do you... Okay, now, I said Lemmings because, you know, I'm a hard-ass about it, but, like, we can talk about any... Is there an album that stands out to the two of you as a particular favorite? Because we don't just have to talk about Lemmings.
3: Um. I mean, the song parodies on lemmings are great yeah. radio dinner mm-hmm. um that came before
2: this was the first album that came, that came before, before the Lemmings and before the radio era. yeah this radio was their Dinners. first audio mm-hmm. so that's i mean uh, and in some on ways, a historical led, level is the most important
3: yeah and in some ways led directly to lemmings didn't it? because so the way
2: this has the magical is magical misery Tour. that's the john lennon thing correct so I, that's on that is on radio dinner yeah but was also performed at lemmings okay. but i don't know if it's on the lemmings album
0: Let's check. I can't recall. Uh, I should know, but guess what? I don't know. That. Oh, yeah. This,
2: is, I mean, Deteriorada, again, like, interesting on a historical level, but doesn't really play today. But Deteriorada yes. was a parody of a You'd famous poem. have to poem. know that, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> there was like uh-huh. a poem that was a best selling recording and it poster. It was a poster. Mm-hmm.
3: People put does it on it, their dorm d- room. Desiderata? A... Yes. They put it on their dorm room walls. So this was a big deal at the time, but nowadays you're like, you don't. The reference has been completely lost. Absolutely.
2: Right. Yeah, it's hard to listen to this without um, having having Wikipedia. Well, I think
3: mean. I think on Lemmings they have um, Papa was a running dog lackey of the bourgeoisie, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a Rolling or uh, a four tops.
2: Was it four tops or hair, temptations? temptations? Papa was a Rolling Stone, a
3: Motown parody of mm-hmm. uh, you know Papa was, but they're just reading the Communist Manifesto. <laughs> <laughs> These literally, Paul Jacobs is singing the Communist Manifesto. Ah, brilliant really good
2: um i mean i'll be honest i haven't because a lot of these mm-hmm. i encountered through when we were researching the movie mm-hmm. it was sort of as an undifferentiated mass on itunes yeah. you know what i mean so yeah. i don't know what stuff's on which yeah that album. makes sense yeah. well
3: gold turkey was pretty late well this is uh, greatest hits of the that's radio that's the radio hour, hour, hour which yeah we, so you've heard that in other we've heard that on the box set venues yeah yeah i mean that's I don't, a great photo on the back of uh, oh, gold wow. turkey so they many. have oh, never everybody seen they've got uh ramus doug kenny Richard Belzer, Uh, Brian McConaughey, Bill Murray, both Murrays, you got both Murrays on there. That is great. There's Christopher
2: Guest. Bruce McCall, Belushi. Interesting. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at this uh, Gold Turkey. A lot of these we've heard from the uh, the Radio Radio Hour. hour. Yeah.
3: Flash Basbo's on there.
2: Terminal football, which we use a tiny when we introduce yeah. Belushi and Ramus mm-hmm. in the movie, we use a That's bit of okay, football. That's
3: okay. The that they're doing.
2: Um flash basbo. Yeah, I mean, a lot of this, yeah, the immigrants um, is endless. It's just <laughs> the, what and what is the joke of the immigrants? It's like a parody of like newsreels. Is it the joke of? I don't even know. As there's you can a tell, lot a lot of this uh-huh. this yeah, no, it runs together. A this a is, is the problem with doing this podcast. Too. Canada humor. Oh, it's a so lot much Canada of humor.
0: Canada uh-huh. humor.
3: Uh huh. Because many of the key contributors were Canadian, right? And I guess they thought that was funny. I mean, there's just so <laughs> much Canada. Stuff. Well,
2: speaking of Radio Hour, so when we went to Sundance to mm-hmm. premiere this uh, two nights before the premiere, someone, I think at Netflix, had the idea to do a live reading of radio hour sketches oh my with because okay. of the actors we had there because we had tom lennon mm-hmm. uh matt walsh joel McHale, joel McHale, emmy rossum and uh tom john daly maybe one of them um, and martin Mull was there mm-hmm. yeah. so it was up to us to again collate what we were going to do oh my god okay. and we were you know again like we didn't know what was going to play in front of an audience we did a uh, that afternoon did a reading with the actors and some of the Just died. Nope. I bet. Yeah. Cut that one. Cut that one. (laughs) Cut that one. Um, I would have loved to do I'm a Woman with Emmy Rossum, but she didn't receive it till like two hours before no, and she couldn't sing the whole sure. thing. For sure, yeah. Because she's a singer as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was interesting. That, it, that would have played. It went that, really... That played, I mean, yeah. only one sketch died. So we did a bunch. John and I introduced it and gave a little bit of historical context mm-hmm. about how... Mm-hmm. We, I was going to ask. It
0: feels like it needs an intro Yeah, you need oh to say...
2: Oh, yeah. Like we've been talking about on this podcast, this is a different era. and, mm-hmm. and um, But anyway, we did... What were the ones that were... Oh, we had a... Um, Joel McHale did a very long monologue that Brian Doyle Murray did. Uh Um, What's it called? It was just... A guy walks into a nightclub. Stand-up comedian. It's Uh, like a a long stand-up comedian thing. I don't know which album it's on. Uh And it's the wordplay. It's It's just dense wordplay. And it it goes on and on and on. Layers. That that was a big hit. A man
3: walks into a nightclub with a beautiful girl on his arm. And then by the end... And then that evolves because he keeps having to sort of restart and reboot sort of the bit over and over again until uh by the end it's... Man Walks in with a beautiful arm on his girl because he's been amputated. It's yeah, really like it just keeps evolving and evolving. Um,
2: we did a running thing from the radio hour of uh, like the comedy of Andrew Weitzman, cardiologist, the comedy of uh, Fred O'Malley, uh, patrol officer. Patrol officer. So he, it was basically. Sh- sticky hacky stand-up but from a particular Love perspective so donald gleason came oh donald was there that's right yeah donald gleason came out and did an irish cop and uh-huh. he was doing stand-up and in the and this he <laughs> in such between each joke fun. he he's a 10-4 he just- <laughs> a, and he
3: counts to himself because he's super nervous like the bit is that the
2: cop is nervous
3: doing jokes Amazing. uh you know, so I'm, you know, I'm gonna have to frisk you 10-4. Ah, ah, I, it's, ah, it's he was so great. Good. Uh, so good. The only thing that, that
2: bombed was, uh, I thought it would work. It was a Mr. Rogers parody. And originally, uh-huh. there's so, I mean, there's so much on the radio hour that is um, uh-huh. just Chris Guest and Bill Murray yes. improvising. Just mm-hmm. They're just talking. That, two of the one's, best, a, that one's upsetting. Two, two of the best improvisers have ever lived. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And so there's a bit where was Mr. Rogers interviewing a bass player. Have you heard that? Oh, this
3: is a different one. Okay, this
2: is Which not one the one I thought again? it was. the one where Mr. Rogers is basically
3: a pedophile, if oh, I'm not mistaken. Okay, good. I feel like that's sort of a subtext in a lot of the... Really, First yeah. Uh-huh. This is Mr. Rogers Mr. interviewing Rogers. a
2: bass player. And just the joke is, Mr. Rogers is being his usual inquisitive self. And the bass player is just like, hi. And, and you just know, woke up. Just woke up. And it's, <laughs> you know. I think it's Bill Murray maybe trying to do a black accent. I'm not sure. Unclear. Unclear. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, we had Tom Lennon and uh, John Daly doing it. But read, reading on paper <laughs> something that was improvised mm-hmm. is just and, hard. And yeah. it quickly
3: got to the point where then they're doing... They're making fun of the bit, yes. and they're going on and and Tom, Tom, Lennon, Tom was like, we got six more pages of this. Yeah, <laughs> and, and as uh-huh. Mister Rogers like, I think we can skip ahead here. Yeah, was like, Tom, uh-huh. it was, great. It was um, great.
2: And then we ended with Martin Mull playing his original song, which plays over the credits of the movie, which mm-hmm. was great. That's so good. But overall, yeah, other than Mister Rogers, it seemed to go well.
0: Did you have in mind anybody to play into these parts as you're writing it, or was it just strictly a writing exercise?
2: Well, it's weird because when we're writing it. We weren't necessarily thinking, let's play this in Joel McHale's voice. We're thinking, let's play it in Chevy, Chevy Chase's voice. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. always, whenever we write anything, we write it with a certain actor. Of mind. course, yeah. But when you're playing with real people, uh... and the challenge
3: was Doug, because the challenge was Doug. there's no video of Doug. Well, no, there's there is but hardly very any, hardly any. That's so weird. And so what ultimately we landed on mm-hmm. that made that sort of open the open the doors on it was, okay, he's Val Kilmer in Real Genius
2: that yeah that's true that was that was was just sort with of val constant and one-liners very uh-huh. breezy and deadpan and doesn't I mean, respect it, authority uh-huh yeah.
3: always and has so equipped. we
2: said we have to get val kilmer but the next best thing is his mcgruber MacGru- co-star uh-huh Vorte. Vorte. Okay. all right that's how it all came <laughs> <again. Sure. laughs> um but <laughs> who else um well i would do i would say um so john daly auditioned for bill murray yes. mm-hmm. and we've been friends with daly for a while um but his audition tape was so good and so dead on um, that we actually wrote more Bill Murray scenes in, in the movie. <laughs> There's a long Bill Murray's biggest scene in the movie is a like a dream sequence thing on Caddyshack. Mm-hmm. Where so like a kind Caddysh- of taunting Doug, which yeah. did not exist before we uh John right. right. like, we like, okay. n- we need to give him more. I love it. Yeah, he was so. There, good.
3: there, there was always a there was always a dream sequence, mm-hmm. but it didn't where, have him. But it was not Bill Murray centric. Uh uh-huh. was Like John crushed this. Like we need more Bill Murray. And, and, and there, there were other yeah.
2: people like. As soon as we saw Jackie Tone audition yep. as Gilda Radner, I was like, mm-hmm. "Oh, she's Gilda Radner." Mm, for sure, Gemberling, he's Belushi. Um and uh, I mean, Joel McHale was weird because obviously, Community. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, when we first heard he was interested, we were both like, "Is this a joke? Right. Is this like a <laughs> prank?" Of course, of course. yeah. Um, but it, you know, he brought so much to that that wasn't on the page in terms of just yeah. we call them Chevyisms, mm-hmm. just the constant. Verbal diarrhea, just sort of like, Mannerism, you know, excuse uh-huh. you, uh, Things you know. That Chevy would do. there can be two boys wonder what do boys wonder just like constant <laughs> words leading to the yeah. next words. Yeah. And of course, and we had pratfalls in the script, but he mm-hmm. had, he had studied Chevy, you oh, know, so good. he added so much to it.
3: And it was the kind of thing where he treated it like any other dramatic role. Mm-hmm. He used his background knowledge to inform this, but he, he, he played it like, you know, any other, you know, character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I that that he was took, a, it, took were, it completely seriously. Yeah.
0: I, I don't often watch things and like it when I get excited that somebody's playing somebody, but that was a particular moment. I did not expect John Daly to be in a thing like this, and that was very exciting to me too because I'm a yeah. huge fan of his. Also, didn't know he could do a Bill Murray. That was well, one the, I don't oh, think yeah. he did
2: bef- before this for real. Like it wasn't like he was, had. it wasn't that was not f- part f- of his repertoire. It wasn't was part of was his so repertoire like me. Kelsey Grammer. I don't know if you've uh-huh, heard of Kelsey uh-huh. Grammer. Which That's so weird to me. So he. He he studied it. I mean, yeah, he went. Yeah. He watched the old movies and like he he put the work in. That's and everybody everyone did. did. Um, everyone the did. The guy who played Lorne Michaels, this yeah. guy Armin Whitesman. Oh my God! Yeah, he was great. And we got and he was very specific. We got it? him a, a a. It's on YouTube. It's um, Tom Snyder again. The Tomorrow Show mm-hmm. interviewed the cast of SNL uh-huh. and Lorne Michaels. Like I think right before it launched, maybe or right after it launched. Yeah. So this is seventy five. Mm-hmm. And Lorne Michaels in seventy five is not Lorne Michaels. 2018 sure sure it's not the caricature of doc- he's Ma- become more Dr. Evil over yes, time everyone's yeah.
3: everyone's seen Mark McKinney's impression everyone's seen uh-huh. Dr. Evil so they, they have a sense of like oh that's what Lauren talks like 1975 Lorne no did not talk like that no, and no, Armin no. did the a homework. hint of it and... he did the homework and so like he did Lorne the way Lorne spoke in 1975
0: yeah he yeah. nailed it because I was just thinking oh wait yeah because in the Ruddles like Lorne Michaels is like he's <laughs> acting and he's like properly doing some shit and like yeah. he was kind of a funny dude back absolutely. then absolutely yeah that's brilliant
3: I'd argue that he's still kind of a funny dude or at least <laughs> I has don't, a great I don't, eye for talent I yeah. don't sure I don't know the
0: man personally I, I just you know what is funny I, is I have no never mind oh, that, it's I terrible. can't say that it's not my story it's somebody else's somebody <laughs> who i interviewed as a possibility to come on the show who just shit talked him the whole time i interviewed really? oh. I'm, like, I'm like you have an axe to grind and i wow. appreciate it <laughs> it's kind of fine. um i had a question and i completely lost it but uh, do you have a favorite song then i mean let's if, if we dig i think into... um
2: i honestly we talked about it but uh the i am is it called i am woman um it's the one, the Gilda Radner. Yeah. In the, it's basically mansplaining. Yeah. I mean, I think that holds up. So good. Is it, do you have the White Album here? I think it's on the uh, White Album. Is. Yeah, he's oh, got he, it. There. It's right there. Mm mm-hmm. uh, Please hold it. listeners while we uh-huh. look it up. Uh, Perrier
3: Junkie's on there. That's not a song. But Perrier Junkie, which uh, a great was, sketch.
2: well, that was ultimately in Disco Beaver from Matters. Yes. Yeah, Oh, okay. It's Alice okay. Platon, and it's just a so monologue where she's, you know, talking about her addiction to Perrier. <laughs> um, of Fart Man. That yeah that was isn't that the inspiration for Howard stern's thing yeah um oh there's gay alliance yep steve collins um no it's, it's not, not on there it's not on there huh i don't know which album it's on but um it's one i'll have to oh wait what about is do you have, are you uh, that's not funny that's sick isn't that a name? i have it but i do not have. i think it, that's me, what it might on. be on there okay yeah, yeah. but yeah. i would recommend that one um and then again like a lot of them just for historical value of, you know, the James Taylor parody. The
3: the parodies on Lemmings are really listenable. They're yeah. really, they're, even if they're not funny, they're just well done. Yes. I mean, they, um, was it uh, Paul? Jacobs. Paul Jacobs mm-hmm. um, and Chris Guest, who handled the music, like, they were amazing. Yeah. They're here
2: we go. I'm com- com- looking at the box set. The comedy of patrol officer Tim O'Malley, the mm-hmm. comedy of cardiologist Dr. Andrew Tillman, and the- what was the other one? The comedy of news anchor Robert K. Chancellor. It was just, yeah, shticky mm-hmm. stand-up. What's the thing that
0: really sort of sticks with you, though, in in terms of this style? Because we've talked plenty about how some of it is, has aged poorly, how some of it is yeah. dated. Plenty of it still remains, but what, is there something at the heart of it that means something to you that makes you still love National Lampoon? Well, again,
2: the, the 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 way they took on everybody was sort of inspiring that that. Mm-hmm. that they you couldn't would, do that today. They were not right. just yeah because it, it sort would be of confusing. Takes,
3: People would be confused. Like well, wait a no, minute, where you do you know stand? What?
2: People they still try to do it, but it's be, everything's become so partisan. Like SNL will still occasionally. I remember last season they did like a a whole fake commercial making fun of Democrats. Mm-hmm. You know because they try to hit all things, but we are living in. A, I mean, I'm my own personal politics, but it's you know why would <laughs> it doesn't seem like a worthy target these days. Yeah, you know, yeah. but and yeah. felt yeah. like you're striving to hit this, both sides.
3: This is not a moment where both sides are equally deserving mm-hmm. of uh you know being taken down
0: well we're missing a whole lot too in terms of sides used to be left and right sides used to be democrat republican now it's literally like it's people who are just trying here. to survive and people who want those people out of the country i call it and it's it's, not it's not now good versus evil, evil no, now. yeah stories. i think it's, kind of yeah kind uh, of is <laughs> that made me talk like kermit I was, I was
2: like, <laughs> we're all reverting to know, our um, sesame street values but also i think the other thing that as always, you know the the ability of National Lampoon to be both high and low. Mm-hmm. Now, because of the movies in the eighties and nineties, you know I think now people associate it with low and just yeah. you know naked women and sure. fart jokes and whatever. But that's sure. what it kind I of mean, devolved into. If you go it, yeah. back and look at the initial magazine, I mean, there's they like we talked about there are naked people in the magazine, but they would also have you know. Uh, parodies of uh poets and you know yeah. Wordsworth and and uh James Joyce and yep. really smart stuff. Um, and then and then uh, and then you'd have a whole what was our favorite piece? The Oral Passions of <laughs> William Howard Taft, which was just about William Howard Taft's love of Cunilingus. yeah. Um, <laughs> which again, like, is, is why would you do that? Yeah. But uh-huh. it's so it's so
3: enjoyable it's so entertaining and you know the the artists that they would get for parodies like that took it completely seriously I mean that's that's my to answer your question my takeaway is whether it was a song whether it was a print piece whether it was a purely design you know art piece Mm -hmm. when they set out to parody something they were rigorous. Yeah. They made it sound and look and read like the real thing. Yeah. And that's what separates it from Mad Magazine. Yeah, Mad Magazine looks funny. Yeah, Nash Lampoon tried to become the target Right, and, and really attack it from the inside. That That is a hard, hard skill, and when you do it right, it's amazing.
2: I mean, that's why we put that scene in the movie, yeah. it, and it was actually not Doug's... I mean, it was Henry who really yeah. spearheaded that. Doug was partial to the original look of kind Of hippie, mm-hmm. you know, drug culture because he wanted
3: to be cool, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but Henry, Henry Beard didn't care about being cool, and right. Henry rightly wanted to be fun, and,
2: and Maddie, too, to his credit, yeah. rightly said, like, no, it should look real, and that's where the humor comes in. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you noticed, but the original art directors of the movie who get we're fired, fired. Mm-hmm. Uh, are played by us. I should have recognized, no, no, it. no, 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 that's good, that's great. We're, I, we're I, wearing wigs and hair extensions, that's and fucking great, and, yeah, oh, a little Easter egg, little Easter, little Easter egg, that's a
0: nice Easter egg, that's freaking great. Yeah, well, that was one of the moments, too, where I watched, I'm like. I guess I didn't exp- Again, there's so much of the story I don't know, but I, I really like how that played out as well because it's a thing where it's like, this is a scene about art design. <laughs> this is a scene yeah. about fucking composition and and, and and fucking branding, and somehow it's still good, you know? Well, because
3: ultimately it was a character scene. Mm-hmm. This was about these guys who were best friends. And Doug realizing an he needs Henry. Yeah. And being, you know, Doug realizing, ah, I'm wrong on this one. Yeah. I'm wrong. And we didn't want to have a movie where they didn't argue, where sure. you didn't see that dynamic. Like, they had to have a. You had to have something where they have a real disagreement, well, speaking, and how's that handled?
2: Uh, from personal experience, a creative partnership—you argue eight times a day. Cool. So we, we needed to uh, include that. When have we ever argued? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to it. <laughs> I also like that I didn't realize it was Donald Gleason. Uh, oh, it took me a <laughs> yeah. bit, I'm like, wait a minute. You know, yeah. our agent came to Sundance, saw the whole movie, and afterwards said, well, "Who did Donald Gleason play?" <laughs> like, you're not, you're not alone. Yeah. No, he was. He, I, he was great, and we had so many great actors but most of them were comedic mm-hmm. you know and and everybody was like donald's the real actor on the set yeah, but I, I think like he actually brought saying, everybody up for sure to to that level that's so good um you don't fuck around with in front a Gle- of donald gleason. A gleason. when you got a
3: gleason on set you got to bring your a game so it seems that's right
0: um if you do not have to but if there's a reason to recommend lemmings to people who've never heard it don't know anything about national lampoon maybe haven't seen your movie yet what's What's a solid reason to recommend listening to this album again? you don't have to you can make another i mean if you're
3: if you are interested in this era of comedy or the performers from that era of comedy who have you know still who are still active today and have had such a big impact, this is where they got their start mm-hmm. this is the this is the beginning of of all of that
2: yeah and if you just really like like you know Joni Mitchell parodies <laughs> go for it
0: yeah absolutely um Thank you guys very much for doing that. Thank those. you. Sure, this was fun. Um, other than a futile and stupid gesture, we'll go ahead and promote that. But if there's anything else you want to promote or where people uh, can find you on Twitter, all that good
2: shit. Futile and Stupid is on Netflix. It will be there forever. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, you can Until also, the servers uh, turn to dust. Go mm-hmm. watch uh, Penguins of Madagascar. I don't know if that's still on Netflix. It was and then it's... Who knows? Um, And we're nothing else really to promote. We're developing some stuff now. But Mm -hmm. on Twitter, I am Mike Colton, Mm -hmm. M I K E C O L T O N.
3: And I am at Jabood, J A B O U D. Awesome.
0: Well, thank you guys very much for doing this again. uh, Thank you guys for listening. You can go to, just go to StolenDress.com. That's where all my three weekly podcasts are supposed to be when I'm doing them. Uh, And go to bit.ly forward slash comedy albums. That's Celery Sound Records. That's my small sketch comedy record label. Check that out. Uh, There's nothing new there yet, but check it out anywhere. Uh, That's about it. Thank you guys for listening. And as always, have a good thing. (laughs) Comedy on Vinyl is a production of Stolen Dress Entertainment. It is produced by Mike Warden and is hosted and edited by Jason Klom. Our theme song was composed and performed by Richard Levinson. Please visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, read our blogs, read our tweets, watch our videos, and read our books. Please subscribe on iTunes, and if you like us, give us a five-star rating and a nice review. You can find us on Facebook.com slash Comedy on Vinyl, Twitter at Comedy on Vinyl, and find everything else at ComedyOnVinyl.com. A major portion of Comedy on Vinyl has been underwritten by Stand Up Records. Please visit StandUpRecords.com for all your comedy needs and tune in to the new Stand Up channel available on the Roku, where you can also find select episodes of this podcast. So if you have stuck around, uh, thanks. Um, it's weird to get personal. I rarely do that on this show. I mean, that's a lie. I get uh, self-centered, but I don't get uh, that personal ever on the show. Um, this is something I've talked about on Dana Jay's comedy hour. Cause it's something my best friend and I are going through together. And this is the only podcast I'm releasing, um, within, within the last month, uh, you know, I haven't released any because of what's been going on. And, uh, I don't know when the other two podcasts, when I'll have the energy to get around. I actually only release this one because, uh, you know, there's a bit of a, a deadline I wanted to make sure I, I did right by the, the gentleman there and their PR company and Netflix and all that stuff. Make sure it got out there. Um, and definitely, honestly, do go see A Feudal and Stupid Gesture. It's great. Uh, go Go to your Netflix and see it. It's, it's really delightful. It's a lot of fun. And actually, frankly, they talk about a bunch of bonus stuff that you, no one's going to get to see. And I kind of hope Netflix finds a way to make that available to people because I know they've done that kind of thing before, you know, little incidentals, like here's a little behind the scenes or something. I mean, they released a whole extra documentary for um, the uh, what Hot American Summer. Uh, it sounds like there's enough for an entire feature's worth of extra stuff for this. But anywho, um, the personal thing that I guess I was uh, accidentally beating around the bush of Beating around the bush of that's not a thing um yeah so uh my best friend dan and i uh we have a we've been doing comedy together forever but we're also best friends but there was a a third uh in the group uh uh, a fourth really uh if you count my sister who like (laughs) i so often would accidentally shove out i was kind of a rude little kid um my sister was definitely involved um but the three of us uh who you know were of a similar age and hung out a lot were Dan, myself, and a guy named Mike Shaver. And Mike is a huge influence on both of us, Uh, an amazing friend, Uh, super weird. I I could not explain to you his sense of humor, but it has influenced uh, both Dan and my surreal tendencies. Not that we're always surreal, but definitely whenever we are surreal, it's flavored by the stuff Mike would say to us. Um, Mike is a super incredibly cool guy and we lost touch both dan and i lost touch with mike we just he just seemed like the kind of got dropped off the grid and we found out recently that everybody thought he dropped off the grid but he's been missing for two and a half years um we didn't know that and um i was dealing with that while i was editing podcasts and like dealing with that is one thing but like when somebody's missing and i'm still treating him as missing everybody's treating him as missing because hope is a thing that is good to have um but uh, You know, there are seemingly, you can read about them, but there are other possibilities, you know, beyond just missing. And uh, nobody wants to think that those things have happened because we love Mike and Mike is great. Mike was, again, an influence on us. We were an influence on him. Mike is the reason I became a film director. Uh, Mike so heavily influenced us as a group, like... We would. I want to be in front of the camera because I'm me, and um, eventually Mike would be obsessed with the behind-the-scenes stuff because we would watch a show called Movie Magic together. Uh, all three of us would watch a show called Movie Magic where we, they're just showing how they did special effects, like Independence Day. Whoa, this is so crazy, in, in, in crazily in crazily It's it was in crazily and a um, uh, really great show. And uh, Mike was like at some point, like, yeah, I'm going to be a film director. I was just like, yeah, me, me too. Uh, and eventually I ended up going to film school. He did not, he ended up being a pilot and a mechanic and an electrician, a number of different things. Um, but he's the reason I became a film director. You know, Dan's the reason I'm into comedy as much as I am. I was always interested in comedy, but like I dug deeper because of Dan, like these two guys influenced my sense of humor and who I am hugely. And regardless of how this all turns out, um, you know, Dan and I both love Mike Mike's family loves Mike and it's still hard that he's missing. And it's very sad. And at some point was super, super, super crippling and still is a little bit. Um, I'm only laughing to laugh through it and get around it and get over it as much as I can. It's, it's fucking heartbreaking, you know? Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to continue to remain hopeful that he's, that he's out there and just weirdly ran away. Um, but yeah uh mike is awesome um super cool guy and it's but the the bonus here is like it's nice that i have family and friends who are supportive and uh you know i've I've got people who listen to all my podcasts who who are incredibly cool to me too even though they don't know what's going on people have been very sweet about it and thank you to those people uh but yeah and i'm sorry i don't normally get personal on the show Uh, i wasn't sure if i should talk about it It's weird, like at some point somebody contacted me through the sketch group, through Dan and Jay's Comedy Hour, to say, oh, you know, we've got 35 million listeners, you want to talk about your missing friend? And it's like, okay, get where you're coming from, but this is fucking weird, and that's not how you want to become famous. It's really not. It's not a fun thing. And things like that just throw you, and especially if you know more of the details about uh, surrounding the whole case, Um, you can find all that stuff online if you really want to dig into it it's 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 weird and it's also inappropriate to ask those kinds of questions but um i feel like i'm rambling anyway um it's 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 hard to get back into making podcasts and i know the thing about making podcasts is do them every week well if you listen to any of my shows and you know me you you know that doing them weekly uh with any regularity without huge breaks for holidays and things like that or major life events it's just not going to happen uh, if a life event gets in the way i don't care it's just going to happen um but uh anyway i appreciate people who have stuck with the show uh at the very least you know looking on facebook nobody stopped liking the podcast as a result of me not being there because uh, there's so much fucking shit you can go listen to but um yeah so that's that's what's been happening uh i love the shit out of mike um and it's nice to have dan there it's nice to have you guys supporting my my stuff because it, it keeps you like aware that you can come back and start doing stuff again and that's what i'm looking forward to um this is the first of of me coming back And, uh, there's more to come. And I've got some really, really fascinating. I mean, I've got some in the can, some interviews in the can already. Uh, but I've got some really fascinating ones coming up that I'm super excited about people who nobody would have ever thought to interview on a podcast. I mean, I'm putting money on it that nobody would have ever thought to interview these people. Uh, like for instance, I went and I bought a stack of records a couple weeks ago. And I'm like, you know what, I, because of my experience trying to listen to a comedy album a day, sorry about that guys, at least nobody's paying through Patreon for that, Uh, I I just started to hate listening to some comedy, and I'm like, I bought a pile the other day, just trying to cheer myself up, Uh, I don't know, it's 30 bucks worth of records, but it ended up being about 20 records, because that's how I roll, and uh, I'm like, you know what, if any of these even gives me like a giggle, or a smile, or isn't just total shit, I'm going to look up people who are related to the people who made these albums, because the people who made all these albums are long dead for the most part. I'm going to look these people up, and if they're down to the podcast, you know, let, let's let's see if we can make that happen. And there are already two of those that are possibly going to happen. Two people who nobody would have thought about. I just hit the microphone. People who, you know, it's just, they're not in the zeitgeist. They were just a very, they were, they were a small part of, of comedy at one point. or you know, might have been a big name, specifically one of them's a big name in uh, Yiddish theater, and a um, fascinating interesting story and i'm going to talk to his grandson so those kind of things are happening i want to get a little more digging a little deeper into the stuff that i wouldn't normally dig into stop you know talking about class clown for the millionth time and, and dig a little deeper which is something i've been wanting to do for a while anyway what the fuck is going on outside i apologize oh that's that's a that's a fun fire alarm thing not a fire alarm fire engine anyway so i'm rambling don't normally do post scripts on this show but thanks for sticking around <laughs> presuming you had have a, there's a lot of uh episodes like that coming up um you might as well again it's worth listening to my other podcasts too they are fun dan and jay's comedy hour is my best friend dan and i talking about our, our sketches going back till uh, to when we were 13 when i was 13 back to 93 we're 25 years old this year our, our comedy group um uh dispatches from fort awesome is where we listen where we talk about the show news radio and it's within a year and a half, it's blown up to us interviewing the guy who created news radio, Paul Sims. Uh, and we got some other fun people coming onto the show for that. So I do a lot of stuff and um, it's cool to have people stick around and listen. And thank you for listening to my bullshit. And as always, if you have suggestions for stuff to talk about on the podcast, like I've got some people who email me pretty regularly saying, you haven't talked about this, have you? And most of the time, they're right. They haven't. And it's not because I don't like it. It's just because it hasn't come up. Uh, but I like to sort of force people's hands sometimes. If they don't have something in mind, why not talk about this weird, rare thing? And I'm going to start doing that more often, I think. And um, I don't know. I'm going to stop rambling now. Uh, thank you guys for very much listening. <laughs> Holy shit. See, this, my brain is fried. Thank you guys for very much listening. Uh, I knew two country is what I'm trying to say. Um, that's about it. Thank you guys for listening. Mm, have a good thing.